It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a Friday edition of the Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer Michael Bronner, joining you this hot and scorching Friday afternoon and. It's going to be that way this weekend as well, folks. So make sure that you definitely stay hydrated and try to stay as cool as possible. But I, I will say that nothing surprises you when it comes around to late June, early July, as far as temperatures are concerned. And have a great show scheduled for this Friday edition of the Final Drive. Barrett Salee. Scheduled to join us at 3.30, talking college football. Of course, he works for CBS Sports. And we'll have Thompson High School's Mark Freeman joining us at 4 o'clock. Thompson High School fresh off the 7-on-7 seven seven victory in Foley, which is a huge win for them. We'll talk and catch up with Mark Freeman at also 4 o'clock. Fr also fresh off, you know, four straight. Yeah. State titles. Yeah, you know. Should probably mention that. D definitely one of the good guys in all of high school athletics for sure. And we'll talk a little Major League Baseball with Daniel Vietti. We'll catch up and, and we'll talk about not only the Major League Baseball All-Star roster that was revealed. We'll talk about the perfect game that was pitched. We'll talk about omissions from the roster. And Otani, is he the best Baseball player two-way since Babe Ruth. We'll we'll have that discussion as well. And I can, I can answer that one for you real quick. Go right ahead. <laughs> what do you think? Well, the answer is yes, but we'll get into that a okay. little bit later. All right. Alan Judd from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution will join us at 5 o'clock as we'll be talking about Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs. A lot of things going on with the Georgia Bulldogs football program. So, we look forward to talking to Alan Judd. And, of course, this weekend we know a lot of people are going to get started early on the 4th of July and would love to hear from you guys in the app. You can correspond with us there, or you can give us a call at 251-694-1055. The best 4th of July firework. What was the best 4th of July firework for yourself growing up? Would love to hear from you about what What do you think that best 4th of July firework is for yourself, Bronner? Dang, you put me on the spot here. I'd have to think about you know You want to know a, uh, a fun fact? Fireworks actually illegal in New Jersey. But, uh, you know, when it comes to 4th of July, it's kind of it's kind of like the uh, open container laws on a game day. You know, <laughs> they kind of just kinda uh, overlooked. It's just an unspoken, you know, all right, like it's Fourth of July. But, you know, by law, they are legal in New Jersey. So 
Well, we want to hear from you all, of course, the best 4th of July firework and what you're going to light up. Of course, we will be with you on Monday, and we've got a great show scheduled for you on Monday in regards to pre-4th of July. But we know a lot of people are going to have a long weekend and go ahead and get started early. And so we decided to go ahead and get started early about what do you think the best 4th of July firework is? And we've already had someone to chime in and say a Roman candle is the best 4th of July firework. I will say that that is definitely one of the most colorful <laughs> fireworks for sure. But I'm, I'm going to go for myself. I'm going to go with the old school bottle rocket. Now, when I was growing up, of course, you know, you, you would put the rocket, the bottle rocket inside of a can and or uh, some type of literally glass bottle. I like the bottle rockets. For safety purposes. That's yeah. the way my folks used to make me do it. And as I continue to get a little older, you kind of forget that they are supposed to called bottle rockets for a reason. And you do have the bottle rocket wars that do go on. And you find out that those fire bottle rockets can, can also go ahead and explode in a swimming pool. So would love to, to hear from you about what is the best 4th of July firework as we're getting ready to approach 4th of July next weekend. And, of course, you have a lot of things going on in regards to the Major League Baseball all-star rosters being revealed. Texas Rangers led the most with four. We'll get into that today. If you look a little bit north of us, Michael Bronner, the Birmingham Stallions are playing in their second straight USFL championship game and I saw a story today you know their gm is 22 years old no i did not know that the GM <laughs> they, they have a 22 year old gm for the birmingham stallions well I, I will say this it's a pretty impressive when you look at of course birmingham was able to host all of the teams in the usfl a year ago and having a chance to be in canton is where the Football Hall of Fame is held, and, and that's where they'll play that championship game against the Pittsburgh Maulers. And we'll talk a little bit about that today. We also will talk about J.J. Watt joining CBS as a football analyst. We'll talk about the results from the match golf tournament last night and a lot of action going on with Travis Kelsey. You, you got to love Travis Kelsey because... Do you? Yeah, you got to love Travis Kelsey because, I mean, what what is there not to like about Travis Kelsey? I don't he produces on the field. I, 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 you know, he, has, he has a great... He, he has type of... He's the type of football player to where when he leaves the NFL or even while he's still in the NFL, he could go ahead and be a wrestler because he has that mouth that just facilitates trash talk and you love wrestlers when they do their promos in wrestling. He's just that guy that I think could be a great heel in wrestling. But we'll talk a little bit about what he has going on. But I think one of the biggest stories of the day has been what's been going on at ESPN. And ESPN today, according to many reports, has let Jeff Van Gundy go, which I love Jeff Van Gundy's coverage yeah. of the NBA. And whether it's regular season or finals, and I know that he struggled as a head coach, but when you see him and Mark Jackson 
and Bream at the finals, you know that you're getting the best. And sometimes their salary just becomes too great. Also, Susie Colbert. Susie Colbert has been an employee at ESPN for over 25 years plus. And she's let go. And someone who comes and visits Mobile a lot during the Senior Bowl, Todd McShay, gets let go today from ESPN also. Jalen Rose is another one of those NBA analysts. Whether you like him or don't like him, Keyshawn Johnson let go. I know he and Jay Will had a show in the morning time, and it's reported that also Steve Young and Matt Hasselbeck will be let go by ESPN. Yes, so ESPN has found themselves in an interesting spot. Like, you know, this, this these mass layoffs come, what, a, a few months after giving Pat McAfee, like, a, a massive contract. Not that Pat McAfee's not qualified to talk about football. He's a guy who was a punter in the NFL for 10, 15 years. But ESPN is kind of seems to be transitioning away from legitimate sports analysis and to, you know, f- solely just on entertainment, which I understand is kind of the – the nature of sports media in 2023 i don't like it i don't care for it uh and i'm sure you feel the same way but yeah it's it's kind of just you know you see it in the people that they're getting rid of it's kind of just the way it is in uh in in 2023 and it's unfortunate uh espn is kind of becoming more and more of a joke every every day i mean i i come home from work and you know sit down with dinner and, and and turn on espn just you know turn on cable there's there's nothing much on this time of year so i'll flip on espn it gets harder and harder to watch every day it's uh it's tough man and to see a lot of these names like i love hasselback Keyshawn johnson I, I what are they doing well it really makes you wonder because also you have college basketball analyst lafonzo ellis which I think he does an outstanding job of covering college basketball on ESPN. And I know that the Walt Disney Company, they had their plan was to lay off thousands of employees and to cut what they call fat and over 7,000 jobs this year. And that's across the board. And it's not just ESPN. It's just part of the Walt Disney Company to where ESPN falls under that umbrella. But as far as one of the biggest names also is Max Kellerman. And Max Kellerman, you know, he and Stephen A., when they disagreed on first take for the longest, he steps away from first take, gets his own show, This Just In, was on the radio in the morning times. Also, Max K- Kellerman let go to where they still owe him a lot of money, but the buyouts for a lot of these sports analysts are huge. And like I said, Susie Colbert, 27 years at ESPN, a trendsetter as far as one of the the people who you look as a backbone of the coverage of the NFL. And that that makes it tough when you start looking at on-air personalities being let go by ESPN and and some of them to me like I say are just quite shocking and I'm always wishing them the best but when you look at the analysis of what they brought to ESPN and what they brought to the broadcast 
second to none. I mean, just high quality people, high quality analysis, and that's what you want. That's what you want to hear, and that's what you want to see. You just hate that there's just not enough room to fit them in and continue to have them part of the ESPN broadcast. Yeah, can't say I was too broken up about uh, the Max Kellerman <laughs> one. I, I, I'll live with that, you know, not to rag on him, but I'm obligated to bring up the fact that uh, Max Kellerman declared Tom Brady about to fall off a cliff and Tom Brady won three Super Bowls and two Super Bowl MVPs after that. But, uh, you know, that's that, you know, I think he's even gone back and, uh, and admitted he was, well, he had to admit he was wrong on that one, but no, I mean, in all seriousness, I, I was never, a, a never a big fan of his analysis, but yeah, a lot of the, a lot of these people are big losses for the network and, you know, we'll see what it, what ESPN looks like a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. It's going to be fascinating to see. It's just trending in a different direction. It's not not a direction I'm a big fan of. It's definitely not the old school ESPN. It's not it's not your Chris Berman ESPN. It's not your Dan Patrick ESPN. It's not your Keith Olbermann ESPN because you see a lot of the great you see a lot of the great tandems that are together on sports center whether it be a.m. or p.m. or late night and you 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 break up pairs i know neil everett had over a 23 year career on espn and sports center (laughs) exactly and he has the catchphrases and you do you do miss a lot of the catchphrases that are being said by former espn host and and even current ones did you have to be pretty clever to come up with but yeah, neil everett and Stuart scott was like the the kobe and shack of sports center that's when espn was was in its prime man i i think that when espn really was in its prime is when you look at dan patrick and, and sure. Keith overman i think that those two guys really took sports center to a whole nother level and really made it must see television and, and those guys, you know, you had athletes who wanted the, the ESPN commercials to where when the athletes come in and, and do the commercials are hilarious. And when you have them with your on-air talent doing them, yeah. it makes it even better. But when you're in a second year of a five-year, $18 million deal, I don't think Max Kellerman is 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 holding his head down. No, he'll financially... I think most of these people that were fired today financially are are, are going to be okay. You know, uh, that's that's not really the thing here. I I think it breeds a a bigger conversation. Like you brought up the Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann days. Like then it was like ESPN kind of had a monopoly on the on the sports media industry and no even, podcasts. You know, like no, podcasts weren't a thing. Like so, you know, obviously local radio has been a thing for as long as long as uh you know longer than ESPN. But you know, looking at from a national scope, like ESPN was the thing. And now in 2023, like you have so many different options for how to consume your sports media and ESPN, I guess is trying to, trying to stay caught up. I I just, I don't know. I I don't know what the rationalization is there. Well, I would say this, you know, JJ Reddick has become a steady on ESPN along with Richard Jefferson, as far as NBA coverage and JJ Reddick has taken it to a whole nother level as far as even being one of the, co-host of first take in the morning time doris burke she does a phenomenal job covering not only basketball but other sports for espn so a a lot of interesting 
cutbacks by ESPN today. A lot of big time names that have sat with the company for a very long time. On the other side here of this break on the final drive, we'll talk a little bit about SEC takeover days. They have officially been revealed. Alabama's schedule for the SEC network along with Auburn's schedule for the SEC network. And it's I don't know whether you'll agree with some of the games that are on because I like when they go and show some of the classic games instead of the most recent games. But we'll talk about that on the other side of this break here on a Friday edition of the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Broder, joining you on this scorching hot Friday afternoon. And hope everyone is in the air conditioner trying to find a way to stay cool and make sure you hydrate because we don't want anything to happen. If you're able to go ahead and hit the swimming pool or hit the beaches this weekend, with all the drownings that we've had, make sure that you definitely do so with a life jacket or make sure that you stay hydrated and don't fall victim to the undertow that can get you at the beaches or even just being unattended to at the swimming pool during the holidays because that's one of the worst things that you can have to happen in regards to a tragic accident due to a drowning occurring. And Bronner, before the break, a little bit of breaking news, kind of kind of no shocker, though. Former Alabama defensive lineman Jamil Burroughs has entered the transfer portal. Um, oh, wow. Gets into some trouble at Alabama in regards to some of the on-campus incidents that was alleged to have happened between he and an assistant coach. Kind of probably the straw that broke the camel's back again, having been a four-star recruit in 2020 and really being thought to be one of the anchoring parts of the defensive line for Alabama this season. Yeah, he he, he would have he played a pretty key role this season, no doubt about it. Hitting that transfer portal. And SEC takeover starts for the Alabama Crimson Tide all day tomorrow at 11 oh. p.m. You're looking 11 p.m. You're going to have oh. Alabama men's basketball versus Auburn. And the second one or the first one? Well, so, so well, well, which one? Alabama won both of them. Hey, look, <laughs> here's what you also will have. Uh, I'm assuming it would probably be the one in Coleman. that you are down 20-plus in Coleman. Uh, especially being Alabama takeover day, you're going to have the football game, Dang, the game 2022 awesome. football game versus Auburn. You're also going to have a little volleyball versus Tennessee, women's soccer versus South Carolina, gymnastics versus Auburn from 2023, Florida State softball game from this season, baseball versus Vanderbilt from this season, women's basketball upsetting Ole Miss from 2023, Men's basketball, again, will hit the stage versus Texas A&M. The SEC championship game is what they will feature on the Tide takeover on the SEC network. And another women's softball game versus Northwestern in the Super Regional, a big-time win. And, of course, football and the big-time Sugar Bowl win that they had to end 2022. So that's your Alabama 
slate. And again, the 2022-2023 calendar is what you'll see. The tide taking over the SEC network, starting that SEC takeover on tomorrow. Is, is there a game or that you would have liked to see from a tide takeover? Do you like the fact that they're taking the calendar year taking over? Because, I mean, some teams you're really going to struggle to – you, you yeah. can probably find one game yeah. in a sport. To go back a to, couple of years to, to go back. But I like when they just – you know, it doesn't matter when it's from as Show long classic. as it's that school's game. I like that they, that they have an opportunity to do that. Now, Auburn, on the other hand, their takeover – is happening July 3rd. And, of course, July 3rd will be the Monday prior to the 4th of July. Starting at 11 p.m., they'll have the Auburn spring game that they're going to showcase and their new head football coach. They'll have volleyball versus Alabama, gymnastics versus Arkansas. They'll run the SEC storied miracles on the plains and I, I don't think that ever gets old because you look at that particular documentary and what and really the miracles that took place for Auburn during that year I, I love that story 530 you have men's basketball versus Arkansas volleyball versus Creighton that morning you'll have a little baseball versus LSU and Auburn played very well against the current national champions and this is where it gets kind of interesting because Auburn had a lot of success. SEC Equestrian Championship hmm. will be shown. And, of course, you're going to show that on the Auburn takeover because Auburn had Dynasty. a lot of success in equestrian and gymnastics versus LSU, men's basketball versus Tennessee, softball versus Alabama, and then football versus Texas A&M. And we all know what – that Texas A&M game entailed with Cadillac having a losing record overall for the Auburn Tigers, but being a sold-out Jordan-Hare Stadium, and that's how the Auburn Tigers were in their takeover of the SEC Network on Monday. But again, I'm going to go and say that I, I just like, if you, if you pick, I like the SEC storied. I like that as far as from a content standpoint. And if you're a national champion or an SEC champion, no matter whether it's in swimming and diving or equestrian or polo, it doesn't matter. You definitely want to highlight that sport because there's only one SEC champion in any sport. And to, to get that ring and to have an opportunity to compete, that's what you like to see. But if you had to try to, to think back, is, is there a particular Alabama or Auburn game, any sport that you could – probably think of and off the top of your head it's probably going to be basketball football or baseball but i do like the sec story miracles on the plains i'd probably rather see the 2021 iron bowl than the 2022 iron bowl but uh you know it, if if it's got to be from the 22 23 calendar then then so be it there but uh you know i would would never pass up a chance to watch bryce young taking it 99 yards to tie up the iron bowl and uh in an epic overtime classic but you know, other other than that, that, that all sounded pretty good to me. I'd have to think about it a little bit more. Well, I, I know that the spring game wasn't ideal from a weather situation for Auburn, but it, it again, it, it ignites the Auburn fan base and gets them started and ready for this Hugh Freeze era of football that we're getting ready 
to see for certain. Coming up next here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5, Barrett Salee covers college football for CBS Sports. Looking forward to hearing him and all his insight of what's going on here before we hit SEC Media Days. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar and Major League player. You're listening to WNSP Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you on this fantastic scorching Friday. But we made it to Friday, and again, hope everyone has a safe and wonderful weekend as we prepare for the 4th of July. And we're preparing for our next guest, Barrett Salee. Covers college football at CBS Sports and SXM Radio, a college football at its best when we're talking to Barrett Salee. Barrett, how's it going, my friend? I'm great. How are you? Man, absolutely blessed by the best. Thank you for asking. And quick question for you here as we approach the 4th of July. What is the best 4th of July firework that you ever had <laughs> or shot off as a kid? Well, I'll tell you what. My mom's birthday is July 4th. And so up until I was like six, five or six, I was convinced that they were for her. Um, even though I, I knew that it really wasn't the case, but I, it was like, you know, Santa was like, okay, I really want to do this. I really want to believe it just in case. And, uh, I was in New York city and we were watching, um, fireworks over the statue of Liberty and some punk little seven-year-old said that they weren't for my mom. They were for the country. And I, I was just devastated, but it was a great fireworks show nonetheless. So, uh, that was probably even though it was an awful day, it was a uh, it was a beautiful show over the Statue of Liberty. Gotta love that. Gotta love that. Thank you for sharing that with all our listeners. And as we jump right on in to college football, one of the one of the interesting tweets that I saw you tweet out earlier today was Guthrie's becoming an official <laughs> partner of Alabama Athletics, and you said Guthrie's versus Canes. Which one do you like better? Oh, I like Guthrie's. Guthrie's is fantastic. I uh, I went to Auburn, and there was a Guthrie's about a mile from my freshman year, uh, freshman year apartment. And I tell you what, I actually all of my apartments, to be honest with you. And uh, there is there's a it's a it holds a place in my heart as a fantastic two a.m. I'm hungry. We need to stop somewhere spot. So uh, I love Guthrie's. Guthrie's has been. Uh, it, it, there's one right down by my house now, and it's just uh, it's great. Canes, Canes is good. Canes, it, it does a, a decent job, but uh, Guthrie's, man, it, it hits the spot. Love it, love it. And, you know, i tell you what else hits the spot is the fact that you have NCAA councils making recommendations about the transfer portals and the windows there and also amending the gambling punishments. Wanted to get your thoughts about the shortening of the portal windows and also the gambling punishments kind of being brought up to speed with the crime fitting the punishment. Yeah, I think with the portal windows, it needed to happen. I mean, I talked to so many coaches that just were were just devastated by by the schedule 
um, that they they were dealt after championship Sunday Saturday. I mean, trying to deal with the early signing period, deal with hiring and firing of coaches, uh, recruiting, transfer portal windows, recruiting your own players, re-recruiting players that you recruited in high school that are at other schools. I mean, it just was too much for them. And so this is a little bit of relief. I don't necessarily know how much relief it's going to provide, but uh, it, it certainly will uh, will help out uh, a little bit and just cut down on, on what has become a, an ultra-chaotic uh, couple of months for, uh, for head coaches. And, look, I'm, I've always said when it comes to, to rich man's problems like that, they're rich men, figure it out. But I don't wish that kind of, uh, of, of ill will and, and that kind of challenge to anybody. Um, because it's just impossible to, uh, to manage a roster at this point. Uh, the gambling thing is interesting, especially now that what's going on in the NFL the last couple of months. But, um, you know, I, I think it, with, with the, the legalization of sports betting, really, I think, taking over, you know, bit by bit, state by state, um, it needed to address, the NCAA needed to address it. And I think they did a pretty good job of, of handling a situation that is, in my mind, comparable to marijuana legalization. Because if you remember, this is like five, six years ago, uh, the state of Colorado, state of Washington were the first two that allowed, uh, that, that, uh, that allowed marijuana. But then the NCAA had its overarching rules, and they were a little too strict with it. And I think that caused more problems than maybe it should have. So I think they learned their lesson. Finally, one time, the NCAA actually – uh, learned its lesson a little bit and said, all right, like, we don't want you doing this, but we're not going to kick you out of the sport. Uh, like, like having the Teddy Dupay, the basketball player, and, and Rick Neuheisel, my colleague at SiriusXM, for doing a, an NCAA Mark Madness pool. You need, to, you need to sort of scale it down a little bit. And, and I think they did a good job. Um, there will still be issues. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It's still, I think, maybe a little bit too harsh. Um, in the sense that, you know, a full season suspension is still on the table. But it certainly is uh, it, it's a step in the right direction. Barrett Salee, our guest on the final drive this afternoon, college football for CBS Sports as well as Sirius XM. Barrett, I was reading your uh, predictions on over-under win totals. Something we've been pushing a little bit on this show is the possibility that Alabama could lose two games. One of them would have to be to Texas. Now, you had them losing to LSU, so this kind of – puts this situation out the window. Uh, but the possibility that Alabama could lose two games, make still win the SEC West, then win the SEC championship against Georgia and still make the college football playoff. Uh, it would depend on, um, on spe the specific landscape. In that scenario, losing to LSU and Texas at home, obviously we need to see what those two teams end up being. But two home losses are two home losses. Uh, but beating Georgia would be a feather in their cap, there's no doubt. But um, let's just say that situation does present itself, would they, and Georgia was undefeated uh, when they lose to Alabama and Atlanta. Would they take a one-loss Georgia? I honestly think that they would. Um, and, and if they don't, still, what's the landscape around the rest of the country, right? Because you could have an undefeated Big Ten team, you could have an undefeated Pac-12 team, undefeated Big, uh, Big 12 ACC, and I don't care how much name value you have. If you have two losses, you have two losses, and and that matters. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a possibility, and it, it's always a possibility in the SEC that a two-loss team can make the playoff. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The only conference that it could happen in is the SEC under this current format. 
but you need some dominoes to fall in your direction, that's for sure. Dominoes falling in the right direction for the Georgia Bulldogs program in regards to scheduling. Of course, Kirby doesn't make the schedule. He plays what's in front of him. And if you're like everyone here, you, you can moan and groan about it all you want to. But Georgia having and trying to make history as a three-peat in college football. And you made mention to it yourself. Georgia can't play against itself. And if the opponents that are on the schedule, you're supposed to beat whoever your opponent is to be the man you have to beat the man. The Bulldogs moving forward, though, in 2024 will have a little bit more of a challenge. Yeah, I mean, I think with, with this year's schedule, yeah, I mean, you're right. And I put this on Twitter earlier. You know, Georgia doesn't play itself. It can't play itself. And that's a, that, that's a big problem for a lot of teams is that Georgia's on its schedule. But also, and you don't want to, this is not an excuse, but it was supposed to play Oklahoma this year. Uh, that series got canceled uh, because it couldn't be completed before Oklahoma joins the SEC. And, I mean, what's Georgia supposed to apologize for? Florida sucking? Like, yeah. honestly, like, it's not, I mean, Florida's not living up to end it to the, it's into the bargain. That's the team you're supposed to um, have as one of your, uh, your, your uh, games that is, you know, you brag about um, Tennessee kind of is that, but I mean, it's like Georgia in, in 2023 and, and even in 2024, it, it, you know, it's, the schedules do play in their favor. Obviously Georgia playing in Alabama in 2024 um, is the one big one, but outside of that, it's not that difficult. But again, uh, what's, it, what's Georgia supposed to do? You know, play, play Harvard competition, you know, and they're trying their best. They're in the SEC. They played good out of conference games. Uh, they're just better than everybody else. I mean, that's not that, that's a compliment to Kirby Smart and his team, not a not a criticism. With that Georgia schedule, Barrett, do you buy into the fact that maybe Georgia, you know, they don't get challenged for the whole regular season? We'll see what happens with Joe Milton in Tennessee. That could be a challenging game on the road, but they don't get challenged the whole regular season. You know, face their first quality opponent in the SEC championship, or maybe not till the college football playoff, and then you know they kind of get stunned a little bit because they haven't really kind of what happened to Alabama in 2018 against Clemson. Yeah, I mean, certainly that's the case. I mean, that, that absolutely could be the case. But on the flip side, I'll go uh, two, the, two years after that, uh, LSU in 2019 and Alabama in the COVID year. They didn't really face anybody. <laughs> they didn't really face that big of a challenge either. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that you can play that both ways. Um, yeah, not facing a test um, during the season could could make it hard to deal with when you get to – the college football playoff or the national championship game or whatever, or it can give you a ton of confidence. And you, for that Alabama team in 2018, um, it, it, it played against them. But LSU 19 and, and Alabama 20, uh, it played in their favor because I saw I saw that LSU team seven times. I mean, they wouldn't they, they did they weren't going to lose to anybody, like and they knew it. And, and Alabama in 2020 the same way. It was like this is. What's the point of even you know going out there? We we know we can win. We know we can win at an elite level, um, and, and so I, I do think that goes both ways. Well, I tell you, you know, when you do have the the winning schedule and the winning formula like Kirby Smart, the current king of college football has, 
there's a lot of distractions and a lot of background noise that that goes on and I think everything gets magnified whatever mistake your players make if it's missing a class I mean you're going to have investigative reporters there to talk about it it, it Nick Saban talked about the rat poison I, I just think that Kirby is going to continue to find a way to to rally the troops and use all the off-field controversies that are going on to motivate his team. Oh yeah, I mean, there's no doubt he's he's very good at that. He's very good at, at uh, finding the uh, fi- either creating uh, a problem or using a problem to uh, to bring his team together. Um, you know, last year we all kind of joked about uh, the Georgia players at the SEC championship game saying, "Oh, we're going to go seven and five. No, no one said you were going to go seven and five. Like who did, who did that? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that the off the field stuff for Georgia is look. There are some issues, obviously. Some are magnified, some are not. Um, the you know the street racing thing and, and the, the unfortunate passing of two individuals uh, that can't happen. Um, and and some of it though, like the AJC. Uh, look, people here know, and Georgia knows. The AJC is basically devoting an entire uh, unit to going after Georgia. Like, that, that's a real thing that's happening. Um, the story that came out this week, now that we've seen the police report, I, I think it was mis- – I, I think the, the reader was misled by the AJC on purpose, um, and that's, that's building a negative view of the program. And to some extent, it's warranted because they have had a lot of issues. But no matter what – Kirby's going to use that and bring his team together and say us against the world or whatever he does. And however he gets his players motivated like he did last year when apparently somebody said that they were going to going seven and five and Kirby took that and ran with it. Absolutely love when a coach finds a way to motivate another coach who is finding ways to motivate his team is our own state of Alabama's Trent Dilfer at UAB, first-year head coach for the Blazers. You know, feels that, hey, look, you, you come in and take our players, and, and, and that's your ass, Mr. Man, and he's going to go ahead and let everybody know about it. And I'm, I'm quite sure he will continue to put people on blast if he feels you're going to poach his players. But the fact that that he felt that UAB joining officially the AAC tomorrow, them being able to reach the expanded college football playoffs in 2024, I, I don't think he's too far off in believing that. No, he's not. I mean, you get six automatic bids for conference champions. So right now, a group of five teams making it every year. So uh, why not UAB out of the AAC? The AAC, it's a uh, um, you know, they, they like to call themselves the Power Six, the Six Power Five Conference. Um, and and they, they, for good reason, they've had great teams. They have great coaches. Um, and in my mind, they if, if the Pac-12 gets poached, they're going to be better than the Pac-12. So, yeah, I mean, he's right. And as far as, as uh, tampering with players, look, he said he's going to call coaches out. Um, I, I believe him in that he probably thinks that he will. I think if push comes to shove, that he probably won't because I think cooler heads would prevail. And I think Trent would realize that, hey, um, preventing players from going to to schools better than UAB in the transfer market means you're not going to get good high school players or at least as good a high school players, right? So um, I I think great for him for taking an an opportunity to – 
to raise the profile of UAB. He's going to do a lot more of it because he's a high-profile coach. Um, and, yeah, he's right. Getting to the, the CSP out of the AAC is, is certainly a possibility. Um, but I think the, the idea of maybe threatening coaches uh, of, uh, of tampering his players, I don't necessarily think he's going to actually call them out when, he do, when they do it. Barrett Salee joining us this afternoon here on the final drive from CBS Sports and also Sirius XM College Sports. And the last question that I have for you, Barrett, is in regards to the new members coming into the SEC, Oklahoma and Texas. Before they leave the Big 12 this year, will they walk away kind of like dropping the mic you know the wwe i love wrestling they don't like for you to leave the federation with the belt is that the same thing kind of with the big 12 yeah i mean look oklahoma is not gonna have that's not gonna happen with oklahoma I, I don't know how good of a coach brent venables is um but i think it, i know folks like to, to rip on the joke texas is back but i mean look it's a down big 12 and texas has got a lot of good players and stark had a lot of improvement so would it surprise me if Texas dropped the mic and walked off into the road off into the sunset with a Big 12 title? Um, no, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, but I also think the Big—I don't believe in conspiracy theories, but I do believe the Big 12 would really like to avoid that as much as possible. Uh, kind of like the whole Nebraska-Texas uh, Big 12 championship game from '09 for old guys like us who remember that. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I think it's possible that Texas could get in that situation. Um, I, I can guarantee you that the Big 12 would absolutely hate it, though. Barrett, thank you so much for taking time prior to the 4th of July and hope you do have a fantastic 4th of July. And how can people follow all of your fantastic coverage of college football on CBS? Yeah, you can download the CBS Sports app, watch CBS Sports HQ streaming over the top on all uh, smart TVs, connected devices, and uh, listen to SiriusXM on uh, Sunday mornings. Have a wonderful 4th of July and looking forward to hopefully catching up with you at SEC Media Days in Nashville if you're able to be there as well. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Barrett Salee joining us here on the final drive this afternoon. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Juan Pierre, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this scorching Friday evening and hope everyone stays cool and I tell you Michael wanna we want to thank Barrett Salee for joining us some interesting nuggets that he really dropped in regards to what he feels and how he feels Brent Venables is is not that great of a coach yeah, he Oklahoma. dropped that in there on us towards the end, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they, they struggle here in the Big 12, getting ready to come over to the SEC. It's not going to get any easier for them. And, you know, Texas and, and Sark, he feels that they do have a great opportunity to be successful there. But who has been successful is three of our, our own local high school products. You have Taylor Stallworth. 
He went ahead and today signed a one-year contract with the Carolina Panthers, but not before picking up his Super Bowl ring with the Kansas City Chiefs. LaMichael Pirine, because he was on the practice squad, of course, he picked up his Super Bowl ring from the Kansas City Chiefs. And Kadarius Toney, who ultimately could have possibly been the most valuable player of the Super Bowl, also wins a championship with the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's always great to see our local athletes be recognized on the big stage but to ultimately know that you're a Super Bowl champion whether you were on the practice squad or actively on that roster sometime during the season to get a Super Bowl ring at any capacity is very impressive yeah it's uh it's no doubt about it uh no doubt about it I mean seeing mobile athletes get Super Bowl rings and Kadarius Tony I mean could have been the Super Bowl MVP if it weren't for a guy named Patrick Mahomes. So. It, it, very, very interesting there. Also, you know, Taylor Stallworth was a 2018 undrafted rookie, undrafted from South Carolina, and here it is now in 2023. Not only does he have a Super Bowl ring, he has a new franchise that he's getting ready to play for with the Carolina Panthers as well. The final drive, second hour coming up scheduled to join us in the second hour thompson head football coach mark freeman along talking about a little major league baseball with danny vietti as well the final drive will be right back From Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome to our number two of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this afternoon. And, of course, we hope everyone has a great and safe holiday weekend coming up. For some, it's going to be a long weekend as some people are taking off on Monday as they prepare for the 4th of July. But that, that goes to show the question that we asked in the first hour. What is the best 4th of July firework? You can respond in the app or give us a call at 251-694-1055. I know my personal favorite is the bottle rocket. And Brauner, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure what, what yours is. It may be the bottle rocket as well, but I know growing up, Fourth of July, Barrett Salee said, look, his mom's birthday was on the 4th of July, and he really thought it was in celebration of her <laughs> until somebody busted it up. But now that you've had a little time to settle and marinate on it, uh, is it going to be the bottle rocket for your favorite 4th of July? 
I think it's got to be the bottle rocket. I mean, they're they're easy. They're fun. You stick them in a bottle. They make a fun noise. Anyone can do it. It's, it's pretty versatile firework there. Now, uh, let me ask you this. Did you ever growing up have a firecracker bottle rocket war? <laughs> uh, maybe more so in in uh, in college than than, okay. gr- than growing right. up. But uh, you know, yeah, you know, I've I've shot bottle rockets at my friends before. Well, look, I, I'm been like, reckless with them. I'm with Jordan Drew in the app. The M80 was always fun to plant in a cup or some type of vegetable or watermelon, and you light it and you watch it explode, so you can see something blow up. So. The M80s definitely were very powerful and powerful enough. And, and another one that was, you know, you have to have the 4th of July sparkler. And, you yeah, know, the sparklers are classic. The, it's definitely a classic. I don't know if it's really a firework. I'm, I'm going to say it's a firework. It's I'm in gonna, the family. I, I'm going to say it's definitely a firework because here's here's what, you know, you, your parents always know the best. I, I'm fascinated by the sparkler and, you know, your parents always keep your safety at best. And my dad said, okay, when you're finished with the sparkler, go ahead and dip it in this cup of water right here to make sure that it's put out. But what I decided to go ahead and do is, you know, the sparkler goes out. I want to see exactly how hot the sparkler can become. So the sparkler it finishes all its sparks and fizzling out, and I decide to go ahead and not dip it in the water to go ahead and lick my fingers and try to go ahead and put it out with my fingers. Well, that probably wasn't the best thing to do is I found out very quickly why my mom and dad used to tell me not to play with fire and with fireworks and the, the safety that you have to have. But, again, you, you have to love the bottle rockets. You have to love the sparklers. The M80s were pretty good. Now, one of my favorites, again, is also the Roman candles. The Roman candles are, are also very colorful, and I like the pops. The pops, you definitely can use. You see them at Mardi Gras a lot, and Mobile definitely banned those at Mardi Gras because they started sounding like gunshots. For real, but mm. I know we do have a caller who is joining us this afternoon on the final drive. Yeah, go ahead. Corey, Corey, <laughs> man, growing up in the country, bottle rocket wars. Yes, indeed. Yes, and it did not even have to be a holiday. No, <laughs> if you if you had them, you had to go ahead and light them and let them go. But the timing had to be perfect. Because if you held on to that joker too soon or you had a quick fuse, that, that would result in utter chaos. Oh no, oh no. We had we had we had um um in like a foot or two long pieces of pipe and we would put it down in and where you could aim it. Yeah. Oh that, yeah, and we'd go into a listen to listen to this, we'd go into a graveyard. <laughs> Well, you're already scared to death anyway. Yeah. You know? I, you know, I'm talking about way out in the country. Yeah, but anyway, man, I mean, <laughs> it was so much fun. We had them all the time. It didn't have to be a holiday or anything. We just had bottle rocket wars. Hey, th- those leftover bottle rockets from, from a couple of times. Of course, New Year's, you would have the plethora 
of 4th of July, uh, a New Year's fireworks along with the 4th of July. And you're, you're sitting in there and you're shooting them for the next two weeks. And like you said, you go ahead and you have those neighborhood wars <laughs> right, <laughs> to right. where you're firing them off. But, yeah, those are great memories, great childhood memories. And I, I don't know too many people who actually shot bottle rockets out of the bottle. And we want to thank you for, for chiming in and make sure you tune in Monday if you get an opportunity. We'll, we'll kind of we'll, we'll flip the switch. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And, you know, I, I will say this. I think we've all, someone else in the app says, yeah, the, the pipe uh, bottle rocket guns are holding lightly and shoot them out your hand. No, it's definitely not the safest thing in the world. And it's probably one of the dumber things that I've done for sure is uh, I didn't, I didn't realize how dangerous they really could be, though. Toppling the British at, in 1776 wasn't safe either. Yeah, well, here, here it is. I don't know if you remember this story or not, Bronner. Jason Pierre-Paul. Oh, man. <laughs> how to make me feel stupid. What, but, what yeah. happened in 2016 yeah. to where you're a professional football player, and on July 4th, 2015, in a holiday cookout, he decides to go ahead and light up $1,100 worth of fireworks for the neighborhood to enjoy. And sure enough, the big boom that came along was the firework exploding in his hand. And he loses a digit because of his love for fireworks. But it's one of those things that we all absolutely love to do the danger of fireworks, but to take it to that level of Pierre Paul losing a digit as an NFL player, not knowing whether he was ever going to play yeah. again. His hand is messed up for the rest of his career. Mauled, absolutely yeah. mauled. And that's one of those things that, you know, you, you just have to be very careful with the fireworks. But I, I really loved growing up the sparklers, the bottle rockets, the snappers were always classic when you look at Mardi Gras time along with the 4th of July, along with the Roman candles. But I, I will say this, too. The fireworks have continued to to go off at ESPN because um, On3 has reported that someone who we really thought that was in no danger or didn't even think about, David Pollack, mm. has been let go by ESPN, and of course, I look forward to seeing the David Pollock and Nick Saban controversy unfold. Yeah, you think Saban put the call in to uh to fire Pollock? Nah, <laughs> I, I I definitely wouldn't think uh, Saban. If nothing wanted to be able to look David Pollock in the eye and yeah, say hey. after winning a national championship <laughs> and say, hey, who who owns college football now? Exactly. So you know, David Pollock becomes another casualty of the mass layoffs at ESPN, Jeff Van Gundy, Max Kellerman, Todd McShay, Keyshawn Johnson, Jalen Rose, Steve Young, Matt Hasebeck, Hasebeck, David Pollack, all along those that were laid off today. But again, I think that going back to what Barrett Salee did say on Trent Dilfer entering the AAC and being able to reach the college football championship as a non-power five, 
I think that that gives South Alabama a lot of hope too, to where and Troy, sure, you you run the table and you beat the right Power Five opponent on your schedule, and all it takes is one. You have success there in those wins, then you find a way to go ahead and make yourself eligible to play with the big boys. And we see it in March Madness in the NCAA tournament all the time. And with the expansion, there's been talk with the college basketball committee. Do you want to expand the tournament from 68 over to over 90 teams because of the parity in college basketball? And I don't see that being a logical explanation as to why you would continue to expand it because I, I like the tournament at 68. I like college football playoffs at 12 for the first go-round in 2024. It'll I think get that's to 16 eventually. You think it is going to expand yeah, to 16? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of inevitable. But, uh, yeah, as for expanding the NCAA tournament, uh, please, please, for the love of God, do not touch the NCAA tournament. It is perfect. It is the best sporting event in sports and uh, does not need to be modified in any way, shape, or form. So, Well, I, I know what was not modified was the match last night between Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes taking on Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. And, of course, the football guys were a little bit better at golf than the basketball guys. Yeah, Curry's a good player too, so that was uh that was a bit surprising. Yeah, I mean I, I but you do love the fact that and we'll play the audio here a little later on. We're getting ready to have on Mark Freeman and everyone along the Gulf Coast knows who Coach Mark Freeman is. He is the head football coach at Thompson High School who recently yesterday won the Foley seven on seven tournament. So we always love to catch up with Coach Mark Freeman, who's gracious and generous enough with his time to join us here on the final drive. We'll talk to Coach Freeman next here on WNSP 105.5, the final drive. This is George Pada, bench coach of the Houston Astros, and you're listening to WNFP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this Friday afternoon. I want to thank everyone for having us tuned in to 105.5. Of course, you can correspond with us on the app or you can give us a call at 251-694-1055. And my next guest is who I like to call a brother in Christ and a, a very special friend to me, Mark Freeman, the head football coach at Thompson High School, joining me this afternoon. Coach, good afternoon. I hope you're staying cool. Good morning. Good afternoon. I guess it is. I'm cool. Everything's good, man. How are you? 
Coach, I'm always blessed by the best. It's great when I get an opportunity to talk with you. You've had a very busy summer with your Thompson Warriors program. Of course, you guys are the Auburn 7-on champions, the Alabama 7-on-7 champions, the Troy 7-on-7 champions, and now your team has worked very hard to become the Foley 7-on-7 champions. A lot of work, a lot of great production, the reps, and the experience that these young men can get from a bonding standpoint is always great. Uh, it is. It's really great. And <clears throat> the great thing is it's, it's stuff we do during the year. You know, there's we we won't sub inside linebackers for seven DBs on the field because we're not going to have games where we do that. And we, <clears throat> we only run offensive plays that probably have, have been in our playbook for five years. And so, I mean, it's – it's good for us. Our DBs, we, we didn't have Fagans all. He, he's got a little ankle injury, and we got two DBs, some experience that, that they really need covering, and some great, great receivers. And I, I'm telling you, I, I want to give, you know, a shout-out to Coach Scott and Foley, you know, the Foley Visitors Bureau, the, the Park Department, all the staff workers down there, because we have been at, at three other 707s, but Derek and I are friends, and we enjoy coming down here every year, and, and they what a wonderful job. It was extremely hot. Um, the medical staffs had to be, you know, obviously on double alert, and their staff do just such a great job of being everywhere, being visible. And um, it, it was just a blessing to be down here and playing. And, yeah, it was it was some hot, you know, weather, but it's hot this time of year, and, and you get acclimated to it. And, and so it was just a wonderful thing. I want to give them a shout-out, Corey, about how well that, that uh, tournament was run. You, you definitely have to give hats off to Coach Scott because, again, that Foley 7-on-7 seven seven tournament is one that really kind of has continued to blow up uh, over across the country. A lot of people, when you mentioned best 7-on-7 seven seven destinations, Foley High School, a lot of teams from across the country prior to COVID really loved coming down and participating in it and it's continued to grow and Coach Scott has done a phenomenal job not only getting the tournament ready but with this Foley Lions program too, Coach. Yes, sir, it is. And there is, you know, there was schools from out of state there again this year and I think as the COVID stuff kind of disappears and goes away more because what a great place to come. The fields are immaculate. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great time. We're speaking to Mark Freeman, head coach of the Thompson Warriors, 7A state champions four times in a row. Coach, I want to ask you about Trent Seaborn. We had him on just about a month ago. Corey and I were both so impressed, you know, for <laughs> such a young man, just how well-spoken and how professional he's already sounded. Just how much how much have you seen him develop already in his young career, and what can we expect from him this season? Well, I mean, he is developing. He's, he's a young guy. Um, Fortunately, I, I met him, I think, the summer of his second grade year, and, and so we've kind of known each other for a while. It's hard to remember. He's he's really an eighth grader, and um, but he's just a student of the game. He's always wanted to, you know, get, get on the computer with me and look at huddle and, and little things. And, you know, when you're putting in time with that guy, third, fourth, fifth grade, I'm, I'm just trying to make time for him because, you know, obviously he lives in Colorado and, and – I had called a friend of mine at Arizona State. We were trying to find really good colleges, I mean, high schools for him to go to in, in California. And his granddad lived out there. I, I don't know if he touched on that with you guys, but I think, you know, our plan was I was going to try to get him into good school out there. 
And then his granddaddy died kind of suddenly, and they were in Colorado. And instead of going to California, there was nobody there for him right now. With the granddaddy passed away, and so they called and said, you know, we want to make the move to Alabama, and we're going to do that. And so, you know, the rest is kind of history. But yeah, he's a remarkable young person. Um, I think he's a 4.3, 4.4 GPA. He plays saxophone for the middle school band, and man, just student of the game. Well, I tell you, you know, there's no better teacher of the game, especially from the quarterback position. And, Coach, you know, we go back some 15 to 17 years in your time. When you come down and you take over a Gulf Shores program and you have success there, and then you move on to Spanish Fort, win state championships there, and then you, you make a hard decision, Coach. And I remember when you departed for that Thompson Warriors program. It's a Thompson program that had been 0-10 prior to you taking it over, but the administration and the community really rallied around you, gave you the resources needed to win at the highest level. And, Coach, you were able to have some great assistant coaches, some great players, turn that thing around and start the state championship runs and the dynasty that is now Thompson Warriors football. Yeah, it's been it's been a a really good trip and journey, and it was tough. My family really wasn't, you know, really high on the idea of going back to Birmingham. Obviously, you get down here, and, and we love it. And as much as we love it down here, um, I love my kids and our program up there. And um, it's got to sacrifice something. We, our residents, our legal residents, is Fairhope, Alabama. We love Fairhope. Um, we're down here every chance we get. Vic gets to come down here more than I do, really. And but yeah, but for what I do for a living, I, it's like you know people will talk to you sometimes about you know would you consider coming taking this job? And it, it, it's got to be a commitment. Hiring Mark Freeman is not going to do a lot for these schools, but hiring me and let me bring the people that help them be successful and you know some people above us that that want that growth and they want that that public you know the public awareness of athletic programs because I, we have watched football um you know go to other students and other sports in our school and they say you know what football can do this we can do it and i'm talking about esports, softball cheerleading um and it, and it is and and i just don't know that a lot of people really understand the commitment but the return, you know, if I coach Brian said, you know, if you if you have dedication and pride, you'll the price of victory is high, but so are the rewards. But if you have dedication and pride, you can get there. And it's it's a unique situation that we have at Thompson, and it's not guaranteed on wins. It's guaranteed on on treating people good and and having administration administrators and superintendent that they really love seeing our kids succeed. And um, like I said, it. A lot of people are not willing to do that, and in return, you know, we just have to stay where we're at and, and keep doing what we're doing. Well, you're doing it, you know, for the glory of God and doing it at a very high level, and it, and it's been that way again, being the four-time defending state champion and and coach, just the growth of 
football and the challenges that are thrown at you with a new group of young men every single year. And, you know, you don't even have to single out any individual or any players that you've coached in the past because I think the resume speaks for itself, all your former players coming back from Gulf Shores or Bessemer Academy or when you have those from Thompson come back and say, look, Coach Freeman was instrumental in being and helping me become a better man, a young man, that is. Coach, you guys don't dodge anyone. Having an opportunity to play IMG Academy coming up to begin the season, I know that's something that you're really looking forward to as well. We are, man. We had Bishop Gorman two years ago. The, The COVID canceled that. We had a school in Texas that same year, the COVID kind of did that in a little bit and so we were going to reach out and you know that's not beating our chest and say hey we think we're going to go in there and and, uh teach img a lesson or anything like that but it is saying this to our kids we'll play whoever wants to play and and that's not boasting that's to make our program better and and you know you get to a point you're not really looking for wins no more you're looking for something to challenge you to make you better and um you know the measuring stick can always be way 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 above thompson high school we're not you know, I'm not sure where the measure is sticking Birmingham right now, but, you know, the history says we are. But I'm just telling you, we're so blessed that our kids, you know, the just the focus it takes this time of year to win four 707 championships. I mean, the, the times that they could have just said, you know, what the crap, you know, I'm I'm hot, I'm tired, but somewhere in there that, that shirt on their, on their chest that, you know, it, it meant something to them. And I tell them every day, that shirt can't mean more to somebody outside our program than it means to us. And uh, your value, you create your own value. And um, our value and who we are and what we represent, that first of all, that being the Lord, represent him and the way we do things, and then represent our our families, that name on our chest, that, that, that can't be diminished. You can't diminish that. And we're, we're blessed that our kids, I think they try to uphold you know, the name on that chest really good, and the parents are supportive of us, and obviously Dr. Vickers and administration. But I think the rewards for that, you know, I can remember people complaining about Coach Saban making $4 million where it was at Alabama, what, 15 years ago. And, yeah. heck, that that return has been, um, you know, 100 times probably. But I do think you get what you you, you ask as, as far as you're committed to doing. And um, we've got – great coaches i've got great parents and like i said as much as fairhope and south alabama and all that is such a great place equally great is is the kids i get to coach every day and the place i'm working at coach you you've done a phenomenal job of where you are and and i want to talk about 7a region three and the competition level there because again hoover and Rush Probes and what he was able to establish there to begin Hoover's dynasty and the rivalry that's been created between two elite football programs and the fact that you guys come in second place to Hoover in the regular season after losing that 9-0 to game on October 21st, the competition level, like you mentioned, not only in the state of Alabama, but within your own region has continued to improve. And I think that's great for high school football in the state of Alabama. Sure it is. And, and I'll tell you what, I would encourage anyone around the state to call Hoover, call Vestavia, you know, call Hewitt Trustful, call them. 
and and play them if they if they think that we are the uh, the elite in that region. Uh, I would encourage them to call them on a bye week. You know, you get two or three times, you can call people and play them. I would encourage people to call any of those schools because I'm telling you something, those, those schools are really well coached and they got really, really good athletes up there. And for us to be able to do what we've done sometimes, Corey, I just have to, you know, just pinch myself and say, you know, Lord, just thank you. And because I, I, we, I don't think we are the elite um Record says we might be running the front of it right now, but it, it takes work every single day to maintain. And, you know, if you maintain, you're going to get beat. So we have to reach and keep getting better because I'm telling you, Hoover has really got good players. Again, Trustful always has really good players. Vestavia has really come on and dedicated a lot to their program um, in the last two years there. And, you know, then you, you any school in our region, if you're not playing really good, they can beat you. And, I know there's, you know, somebody asked me the other day, did people sleep on that other region with Central and Phoenix City and Auburn and all them? But there's really good football teams there in Opelika. I like playing Opelika this year, first game, because they always have some of the best athletes in the state. Um, So, yeah, I mean, football in general is really good, and, and we just like to play, you know, the best teams we can play to make us raise our level. Well, again, never shied away from the opponent because I know Ronnie Cottrell a few years ago, pre-COVID, brought you down to Ladd Stadium probably in about your third year. And there was some elite competition that you played against on that Saturday at Ladd Peebles Stadium. And it's only gotten better for you. And the state of Alabama's football has only gotten tougher. But here it is, Coach. Ten total championships for you four in a row at Thompson high school. And like you said, it's God's grace and mercy that have allowed you to go ahead. And it's hard enough to win one. And you know, whether you win that first one or that last one, you never minimize or forget the ones that became that came in between because all of them are so very special in so many different special ways. Absolutely. Remember the my best one came in like it was yesterday. We won it on a last-minute field goal, and the guy made it point earlier, or we would have won the game 7-6. to six. Um, yeah, we, You know, true story, Corey, we're, and I'm just, I said, Lord, what do we need to do? And he said, calm up, get the field goal, you're facing the state championship. I heard it in a clear voice. And uh, so, you know, I told our kids that, and <laughs> some of them just ducked their head in the huddle, and, and I'm sure they were upset, but Somehow we snapped it, kicked it through, and won a state championship. And I remember it like it's yesterday. I remember the ones at Spanish Ford, how special they was there. And they're all special and unique, and you better never take those things for granted because they're very hard to get. Well, I tell you what, you're not a hard person to get a hold of because every time I call you, you always answer. And I appreciate our friendship and all the words of wisdom that you always give me. And it's always great to see you at the Super 7 or any other event for that matter at any point in time. Coach, I want to wish you the best of travels, the best of health, and continue to be blessed and be a blessing to others, Coach. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Have a happy and safe 4th of July, and we'll be talking again very soon. Well, Corey, I appreciate you, and I'm going to tell you something. It's my blessing to talk to you. Um, when you call, I'm honored to talk to you because I know you are a brother in Christ to me, and watch you climb the ladder in your career and the way you do it, the 
the, just the kindness and the humbleness you bring, Corey. I appreciate and love you, buddy. Love you too, Coach Freeman. Take care and be safe, my brother. We'll talk to you again real soon. Yes, sir. Take care. Head coach Mark Freeman of the Thompson Warriors coming off another 7-on-7 champion. They've won Auburn, Alabama, Troy, and now Foley. Ten championships for Coach Mark Freeman, four in a row from Thompson. We'll be right back here on the final drive. My name is Robert Brazil. I'm from the class of 2018 Pro Football Hall of Fame. You're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Bronner, joining you on this scorching hot Friday afternoon. And again, hope everyone is staying hydrated and staying cool. And if you get out into the pool or into the lakes and oceans this weekend, make sure you do so very safely for sure and heed those red flag warnings if they're out at the beach and again this afternoon wanted to thank Danny Bietti for joining me here on the final drive to talk Major League Baseball of course the rosters were announced here on yesterday and Danny welcome to the final drive my friend hey what's happening St. Cool yeah, trying to anyway I tell you what we're just trying to trying to find a way to stay cool as hot as it has been here along the Gulf Coast but not nearly as hot as the bat of one of the greatest two-way players since Babe Ruth he's making another major league all-star debut or appearance here next I think it's next Tuesday is after the 4th of July. The following Tuesday is the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Talk to us about Otani. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a narrative going around, and uh, anytime you look at stats, it's since Babe Ruth, since Babe Ruth, first uh, Major League Baseball player to have a home run and this many innings pitched and this many strikeouts in the same game, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I, I'm going to nip that in the bud right now and say that Shohei Otani is, uh, granted, I was not alive during the Babe Ruth time, but Shohei Otani is, at his peak, the greatest player we have ever seen at this stage. Um, what he is able to do on the mound and with the bat, he's first in Major League Baseball in OPS uh, with the bat, and then pitching-wise, he has the lowest opponent batting average against. So, He's arguably the most dominant arm in the league. He is unarguably, according to the statistics, OPS, and wins above replacement, he has been the most valuable hitter in baseball, and he's one single person. We have not seen anything like this at all, not Babe Ruth, uh, not anybody. So Shohei Otani is, is one of one, and we should just feel lucky that we get to watch him on a day-to-day basis because it's truly historical and something special. Talking to Danny Vietti, social media manager and also writes for CBS Sports, talking some baseball. I got to ask you, along with the Otani question, I mean, the Angels, they've had now Otani and Trout, probably the two best players in baseball, not even probably, the two best players in baseball, Trout for longer than Otani, but what a disgrace of an organization for uh, to not be able to do anything with probably the two greatest baseball players in the last 50 years. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, it, it's been an embarrassment. It's been um, disappointing from a fan perspective. 
And it's actually hurt baseball as a whole, too, because Major League Baseball has had a hard time marketing the best player in baseball for the first 10 years of his career, and that was Mike Trout. Trout's been compared to Joe DiMaggio. People say he's the Joe DiMaggio of this generation. The problem is he has never won a single playoff game, and that's not on Mike. I mean, he's a three-time MVP. He just made his 11th All-Star game that was announced yesterday. So it's nothing that he's done. It's just uh, a lack of um, a, a lack of uh, direction in the front office, I will say. And then you put him together with Otani. Uh, Otani's going to be a free agent at year's end. So uh, the pressure's on. I mean, this you can make the argument Otani is probably going to demand over $500 million, half a billion dollars in free agency this year. And it's still a question whether the Angels will be able to afford him. So there's about four or five months left in this season. We're going to find out if the Angels can make one single playoff appearance with the two unarguable uh, best players in baseball. And it is really amazing when you have the two best players in baseball. But to me, trying to keep the two best players at that price value is basically almost going to be impossible. I'm not going to say it is going to be impossible because I've seen people find a way to make the numbers work. But numbers that have worked for the Texas Rangers, leading all major league teams with four nominations for the All-Star game, does that a little bit surprising to you? Or has Texas really been one of the surprise teams throughout the first half of the season? I think, if anything, the only surprise would be that they don't have one more infielder on the all-star team and Nathaniel Lau. Um, I think all of them are deserving. I mean, Jonah Heim has been the best American League catcher this year with respect to Adley Rashman out in Baltimore, uh, kicking over to second base. Marcus Simeon is not underpaid by any means, but he's still underappreciated at this point in his career. I thought Bo Bichette had a really good shot at beating out Corey Seager at the shortstop position for the American League all-star uh, starting spot just because Seager missed a little bit more than a month of the season. But when Seager's been on the field, I mean, he's hitting 340. Uh, the changes to the rules and that uh, the elimination of the shift has really opened things up with him at the, with the bat. And so he's really playing at an MVP level. And then Josh Young starting at third base, he's leading the, uh, uh, lead the way, leading the charge in American League Rookie of the Year voting. So I, the offense is real. It's been Texas Rangers, Tampa Bay Rays, 1-2, and just about every offensive category. So I'm just happy to see the Texas Rangers get the praise that they deserve because they've been dominant from start to finish so far. Well, we love to follow the Texas Rangers here in Mobile, Alabama because of one of our own Bubba Thompson being from McGill Tulin High School here in Mobile, Alabama, and get the success that he had not only as a star quarterback at McGill, but also finding a way to make his way up to the major leagues. And we know he hasn't been playing here recently. Um, but as far as when you switch gears from the Rangers to switching over to the Braves, the Atlanta Braves continue to go ahead and torch the entire National League and have done a phenomenal job and, and still are getting guys that are coming in that are going to be healthy for this second stretch of the season. And that's the thing. Uh, you look at Atlanta, things are only going to get better for this team. And this is a team that won the World Series the year before the last. 
this is a team that has their entire core locked in under team control for at least the next three, four years. And I'm talking about Austin Riley, Matt Olson, Sean Murphy, Ozzy Albies, Ronald Acuna Jr., Michael Harris. These are all all-star caliber players. Even Orlando Garcia is starting at the shortstop position this year for the Atlanta Braves. Um, they are an embarrassment of riches. And what Alex Anthopoulos does on a year-to-year basis, the way he has been able to extend his young core, uh, it's only going to get better because right now you have a championship window of three to four years of this same exact core that is going to be intact. I didn't even mention the starters with guys like Max Fried. Um, uh, 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 even like uh, uh, Mike Soroka is going to come back from injury this year. He's a young stud uh, coming back from injury. So, they have a core unlike any other because they are team controlled for another three, four, even five years. That's something that not any other team in baseball can really say. Well, I tell you, you know, I'm going to switch gears back to, again, the all-star game that's going to be played here after the 4th of July on the 11th. Were there any omissions or I know that all-star weekend goes along with the home run derby. So if there are any omissions, you can kind of, kind of find yourself finding your way back into the fanfare whether it's the celebrity softball game or just being a cheerleader at the baseball home run derby but anybody that you saw that you felt probably got the short end of the stick i mentioned that ali rutschman uh definitely had a shot at the catcher's position for the american league but i do think jonah heim has been the most consistent um, from the start of the season to now here on june 30th I would expect Adolis Garcia is going to be starting in the outfield for the American League. Right now, they have Aaron Judge, who was the fan-voted member in the outfield. Uh, But Judge is nursing a toe injury. He is very doubtful to be healthy when the the All-Star break comes. So expect one more Texas Ranger to be starting in the field. I mean, the American League All-Star team, you could just pretty much rename them to the 2023 Texas Rangers because they could have five (laughs) players out there. Uh, one more name to kind of jot down going back to our Atlanta Braves conversation is Matt Olson is uh, either first or second in home runs this, se- this season in the National League. He's fourth this year in exit velocity. Uh, he's been an absolute state. He's another guy that's extended for another I think, six or seven years out in Atlanta. So uh, it's a fan vote. Just keep that in mind. You know, when we see who the reserves are going to be, I think that's when we really get into the conversation of who got snubbed and who got left off. Tampa Bay, they set all kind of records to begin the season, sizzling hot off to a historic start, and they still have one of the best records in baseball, 56-28. and 28. Or, is, or is Tampa Bay going to be able to keep that up and represent the American League East and possibly make it to the World Series? They're a really strong bunch uh, in, in every facet, offensively, pitching, defensively. Uh, they're about 11 or 12 hitters deep, which is ridiculous to say because there's only nine players that start on a day-to-day basis. Uh, but with that said, I mean, they have, I think it's 11 different players with eight or more home runs this year, which is ridiculous to say because there are certain teams that don't have more than two guys with more than eight home runs this year. Um, they're in a very, very tough division. Uh, they're leading the charge right now in the American League East. They're five and a half games up on Baltimore. The Yankees right behind them, Toronto and Boston after them. Uh, they've kind of uh, regressed to the mean a little bit in recent days, and, and they got off to such a hot start that was to be expected. 
Uh, but but it's really been Tampa Bay and Texas that have been the two driving forces in the American League. And right now, Baltimore is very strong. Texas, as I mentioned, is really strong. Houston has dealt with a lot of injuries. Uh, overall, when you look outside the American League East, uh, there's not a ton more competition with the exception of, of Texas. So um, right now their biggest battle is just the American League East because that those five teams, uh, it it's, 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 it's tough. Danny, thank you so much. How can people follow all of your great coverage? I know you have Wake and Rake as well. Yeah, lots, lots of baseball talk with the Wake and Rake podcast and all the written work on CBSSports.com. Danny, thank you so much for jumping on with us. Have a happy 4th of July, a safe 4th of July. Stay cool, and we'll definitely be staying in touch throughout this hot summer. Same to you guys. Thanks for having me. Danny Vietti joining us this afternoon on the final drive. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Jimmy Ripple from Gator Boys, and you're listening to WNSP on 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. It's a scorching Friday afternoon, and again, hope everyone has a very safe and productive weekend as we get ready to approach Monday. Of course, it's a work day for us here, and we'll be bringing you the opening kickoff along with the final drive on Monday. Also, when you look at 4th of July festivities, Michael, on Monday, we'll definitely be covering what's on the menu for our 4th of July Tuesday and what we'll be eating and partaking. We already talked a little earlier today about the best 4th of July firework. And you seem to agree with me that it is the bottle rocket. Smoke bombs are pretty cool too when you when you just you see that sense to where you just have to use the fireworks responsibly, but the colored smoke bombs, the snappers, the Roman candles, sparklers, artillery shells. Now that's something that I love too. You light it and it sits and goes off for like five to seven mm. minutes straight. All the artillery shell <laughs> shooting. And there's nothing scarier than walking up on a case of fireworks knowing that and thinking that it had gone ahead and popped off the last one. Not the case. That's always a pretty scary fact. But continue to hit us up in the app. The best 4th of July firework growing up that you had an opportunity to participate with whether it's the roman candle the bottle rocket the smoke bomb the artillery shells which one was it for you and were you one of those that were adventurous and had those bottle rocket wars the five o'clock hour of the final drive coming up alan judd will join us from the atlanta journal constitution to talk a little bit about their story and their featured piece on kirby smart and the georgia bulldogs Alan Judd coming up next here on The Final Drive. It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile. 
Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to our number three of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this Friday afternoon. Want to thank everyone for tuning in here to WNSP. Of course, you can correspond with us on our WNSP app, or you can give us a call at 251-694-1055. We always look forward to talking and hearing from you. Want to thank all of our great guests so far. Barrett Salee joined us along with Mark Freeman, the head football coach of the Thompson Warriors, and Danny Bietti joined us to talk Major League Baseball. And now joining us here, making his debut on the final drive, is Alan Judd, investigative reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Alan, good afternoon. I hope all is well, my friend. It is. Thanks, thanks a lot. Alan, we, you know, in the headlines, there's an old saying from one of my favorite Marvel superstars, with great powers comes great responsibility. And the responsibility for Georgia head football coach Kirby Smart is a great one. And that's what happens when you win back-to-back national championships. The spotlight magnifies. It becomes even bigger. And even if it's a young man missing classes or having a traffic violation, whether it's a moving violation, non-moving violation, Kirby Smart has really had his hands full here in the offseason and really within his tenure as the head football coach of the Georgia Bulldogs. And this latest accusation of crimes that have come through has kind of put a black eye on the Georgia Bulldog program. Yeah, there, there's been a lot that's come out this year um, as, a, as a result of or in subsequent to the uh, the, the really tragic uh, car crash that occurred in January, the night of the celebration of the second national championship when a player and a recruiting analyst were killed at a, well, basically racing um, another player through the streets of Athens. And it's been one thing after another basically since then now for, you know, five months. Alan, this uh, this latest headline, I mean, if you could clear some stuff up for us, um, you know, the AJC kind of came out with a story, you know, Dog's Wire came, uh, came out with a story refuting things, uh, just exactly what, I think a lot of people didn't get the chance to read exactly what was included in the AJC article that uh, that you had put out. If you could, you know, give us a general summary uh, of exactly, you know, the uh, incidents that kind of were detailed in the article. Right. Well, we looked at uh, a lot of criminal cases involving players, but we, we ended up focusing on some, some sexual abuse cases, um, sexual misconduct cases, as well as um, some domestic violence cases as well. But uh, we focused the story on a couple of, um, of sexual assault allegations that have been made in the past few years. The, the main one involved a recruit uh, who has since signed with Georgia named uh, Jamal Jarrett. 
who during his uh, official visit weekend in June of 2022 was accused by a woman he had met online and then met in person um, of, um, of essentially aggravated sodomy uh, in a hotel room where he had snuck out um, after breaking curfew. He'd been out drinking with players, according to, to his own text messages that he was sending people, uh, kind of a, a sordid situation. Um, the police ended up not charging him, but there were a lot of questions about the police investigation. The uh, the final report that uh, a detective wrote that you referenced um, left out a lot of information that the victim, the alleged victim, had given him, including about the force that Jared allegedly used, uh, forced her to her knees. She said no. She tried to get out of it. He forced her, um, you know, that kind of thing. So it was... Um, uh, there was a lot of information that that had seemed to be overlooked uh, in in the final decision on charging. Well, Alan, I, I know that again at Georgia with Kirby Smart as the head football coach, there, there's been stories or or rumors that there that there are is a washer or a fixer of all the problems that are going on at Georgia. Can you kind of give our listeners or enlighten us a little bit about? what that means and and who or what is the fixer of problems at Georgia Sure there's a there's a man named Bryant Gant who is um um his title is director of player support for the team and he makes about $200,000 a year and essentially uh, a big part of his job is to kind of clean up the mess after players get into trouble we we recently wrote a story about some of the uh, excessive speeding, reckless driving, drunken driving, you know, other kinds of traffic violations that, that players had, which far exceed anything else in the SEC. And we found that there were over 80 cases that he initiated contact with the court system or the prosecutor's office to handle these players' cases. He's not a lawyer, but, uh, but he negotiates plea deals for them. He sets, gets their court dates set. If they miss court, he handles that. Um, when they have to pay fines, he will take, <clears throat> in many cases, he will take in cash uh, to pay those fines. He says that that money comes from the players or their families, but they weren't able to provide any kind of paper trail of that. Um, and then in, in the case that we wrote about, he actually was called to the scene to the hotel where the, the sexual assault allegedly happened minutes after the first patrol officers got there uh the, the hotel staff actually called him and told him to come over um as soon as the police walked out of the the, the alleged victim's room they they ran into gant he later kept, took the recruit and his and the recruit's parents to the police station for an interview sat in on the interview uh which he does frequently when players get into trouble so um he's kind of um omnipresent when there is uh, anything that can result in a player, you know, getting into uh, any kind of legal issues. We're speaking with Alan Judd, investigative reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He had broken the story on Georgia this week. Alan, I'd like to ask you, do you believe that anything alleged that's going on at Georgia right now, not just this week, really, you know, there's been some negative headlines regarding the program for the better part of the last few months. Do you think 
it's unique to Georgia, or do you think there's a bigger spotlight on Georgia because they're the two-time defending national champions? Uh, it's probably some of both. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think there is some of it is that they're, they are at the top of the, the college football world, no, no doubt about that. They've won twice, could very well win again this year, maybe the next year. You know, they, they've, things things are still it's a still ama- amazingly good team. Um, but th- there's there's also um, a tolerance uh, in the culture of of things. You know, it's basically do what it takes to win, and we'll clean up the the the, the unpleasant stuff behind you if, if you if you move on and, and do what you're supposed to do on the field. Uh, what we just what we found really just over and over there are examples of for you know bad behavior off the field essentially is is overlooked or forgiven in favor of whatever the player can do on field. Um, we, we, we looked at, uh, previously we looked at situations where players had been driving very fast, had accidents that, that harmed, you know, injured other people, and yet there was no consequence, um, no public consequence at least uh, to them within the team. Alan Judd joining us here this afternoon on the final drive on WNSP 105.5 and guest investigative reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and has had several articles and follow-ups about the situations that are going on legally at Georgia. And, Alan, how can people follow all of your coverage for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and get updated on the ongoing and unraveling events that continue to unfold for the Bulldogs program? Uh, the stories are all at our website. It's hac.com. And um, we've, uh, we've, been, we've published um, I don't know, probably a dozen stories or more in the last five or six months. Um, and I think they're all, um, all ready, ready, excuse me, readily available right there on the website. Alan, thank you so much for your time, and we look forward to talking to you again in the future as continued, I guess, evolving circumstances continue to unfold in Athens under the watch of Kirby Smart. Great. I'm happy to talk to you anytime. Alan Judd joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And, Michael, you know, again, the the microscope, it it always continues to be magnified. And and your question in regards to, you know, Georgia, it's not just Georgia who Alabama's gone through this, Auburn's gone through this, Florida has gone through this. Uh, You look at the the LSU has gone through this. Anyone who has had success at the top, and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is a is a huge newspaper, a huge publication. And Barrett Salee said it earlier in our show, there's kind of a, a feuding war going on between the Georgia program, the football program, and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which I don't think is going to change anytime soon for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting situation. You know, I that that's kind of why I asked that question specifically. It's like... Cause Obviously, what's happening is is certainly you know the, the headlines are horrible to read, but they certainly uh, are not unique to Georgia. Obviously, when you're winning, uh, that spotlight is going to be magnified on you. So you know, I, and you we maybe we'll play the audio from Josh Pate a little bit later on. Uh, he kind of went scorched earth on the AJC a little bit because, like I said, um, 
to Allen, you know, the dog's wire report that kind of refuted a lot. It, it, it was an interesting situation because the AJC article, like I said, was behind a paywall. So a lot of people kind of just saw the headline and weren't really able to read exactly what was alleged in the article. Uh, so, you know, and then you go and read the police report and find out, you know, there are two different accounts of exactly what happened. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, uh, the, the way it was framed by the AJC, I, I think, was a bit inappropriate, frankly. I think Josh Pate was right on that. Um, you know, as for other allegations, and, you know, I think that the, the driving issues and stuff are an entirely separate issue that uh, certainly need to be addressed. But, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty fascinating situation developing both, I guess, in Atlanta and Athens. Well, what you hate for the Georgia Bulldogs family is this. After they win that national championship, their second in a row, less than a week after winning that national championship, I don't even think it was three days later. Yeah. You have a tragic death involving that could have been avoided, and it was due to, to endangerment driving at, at high speeds. And because of that, you, you see someone's, a family's life be totally changed with that death. And I, I think that the magnifying glass is only going to get larger, and I think that, you know, you can go and you can interview and talk to coaches like Les Miles. You can talk to Urban Meyer about how that magnifying glass gets larger after you do win it. And I think that, you know, it's not going to change. The questions I know when we go to media day, I, I think yeah. a lot of the questions, regardless of what Kirby Smart's answer is going to be, Kirby's going to get asked about whether it's things, at the podium sure. or whether it's individually, he will be asked several times about the disciplinary issues that the AJC continues to unfold. And here it is. You have an investigative reporter who joined us, Alan Judd, whose job it is to investigate and to find out. And when he says there's a fixer, and I will say, I don't care what kind of fixer you call, you can't trace cash money. And that's one of the reasons that you see cash money be it be paid by anyone. But to sit there and have an article or detail something about having a fixer at Georgia's program, I think that when you do have a report like that, you better be able to prove it. Sure. And if they have evidence, then they're going to write about it. And if they don't, then they'll have to retract their statement, which is nothing new in journalism. So we'll see what continues to unfold, especially with SEC Media Days being a couple of weeks ago. The final drive will return here on WNSP 105.5. Hi, this is Monty Burke, author of Saban, The Making of a Coach. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Lebounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, 
joining you this afternoon. And we just had Alan Judd, investigative reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I know earlier in today's show, Barrett Salee was talking a little bit about comments that were made, Bronner. And we're going to play those comments right now as part of, like you said, a little scorched earth here as we play these interviews kind of feuding up with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and their reporting for sure. Yeah, so just for context, this is uh, Josh Pate. from We've had him on the show a bunch of times. Uh, late, kick, late kick Josh on Twitter. We uh, he, he talked about this last night, so I'll go ahead and play that. I did about 15 times today. I kid you not. I went 15 for 15 on this. I asked folks who were disagreeing with me on my assessment of Georgia versus the AJC. I said, hey, what was your biggest takeaway from that AJC article? And these are 15 folks, by the way, coming at me who in some form or fashion think that Kirby Smart needs to answer for this or this or that should happen to Kirby Smart. I said, what was your biggest takeaway? And they said, oh, man, they're, they're letting folks guilty of sexual assault off easy up there. I said, be specific. What is your biggest takeaway? And they beat around the bush about three or four more times because they knew what I had figured out about them. They hadn't read the AJC article because it's behind a paywall and most of my friends are cheap. They hadn't read the AJC article. They took away exactly what the folks who wrote that article wanted them to take away. And that was a headline, a screenshot, kind of a snippet, an idea, really. More so than facts, you were supposed to take an idea away from that. Now, I'll credit Jake Rowe, good friend of the program over at Dogs HQ, works for another company now. Uh, he actually did give me the rest of the story today. In fact, they didn't put it behind a paywall either. It's on their website for all to see. And I find myself reading that entire police report. And I find myself listening to, or in this case, reading transcripts from the accuser, transcripts from the player, who, by the way, is Jamal Jarrett with Georgia now. And I find myself looking at text message exchanges, and then I get to the end of it. And I watch the entire story just vaporize and the allegation vaporize. And I ask myself, how many people actually dug this deep, including the folks who published that initial piece at the AJC? Or if they did dig that deep, and this gets even more nefarious, why was I not presented with this context? You know, Roe and the guys over at Dogs HQ, by the way, they didn't editorialize intentionally. They just put the facts out there. That's actually called investigative journalism, by the way, for those unfamiliar. They just put the facts out there. Josh Pate chiming in and like Michael Bronner said, really going scorched earth on the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on this latest case that has come up for the Georgia Bulldogs football program regarding Jamal Jarrett and the sexual assault allegations that were made against him but this is a situation to where I, I think Bronner if you don't have the student athlete death there I, I don't think that it gets magnified as much as it has because mm. you, you now you're you're looking at okay well we had this one fatality due to excessive speeding or a moving violation with a future NFL football player that caused the death of and the injury of others. Now let's go and let's look into see how many other non-moving violations have been 
committed by Georgia during the Kirby Smart era. Now, whether that non-moving violation is for not buckling up a seatbelt or for parking in the wrong spot on campus, I'm quite sure that all schools and universities have plenty of non-moving violations uh, because I know you can probably attest to this, being on a campus at Alabama. <laughs> I, man, ne- I never drove to class. <laughs> they, they love writing tickets. Nothing, that, that, that is uh, their favorite thing to do, as a matter Absolutely. of fact. Absolutely. And, and at any university, you see non-policed officers, those who are hired to find those who are parked in illegal parking zones or whatever it had, may be, but the Georgia Bulldogs have been brought under a tremendous microscope and will continue to be under that for sure. I don't I don't see that changing at all anytime soon. But Pate, he really he, he really leaned into the AJC. And I think that yeah. Alan Judd had a little pushback in regards to the information that they have been provided. Yeah, like I said earlier, it's it's just uh, such a fascinating situation between you know both the publication and the school. I like you hate to make it a media versus Georgia thing, and you know I'm sure I, I haven't read the uh, you know the details of all the allegations. I read the Dogs Wire article that that alleged uh, or at least gave the detailed police reports. You know what Josh Pate was talking about there, and it does paint an entirely different picture than specifically what the headline of the AJC article presents. And whether that was AJC's intention or not, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that, but, you know, it, it does breed like, a, you know, there's a reactionary thing that people are going to have just due to the headline, and guess what? It's behind a paywall. Did I pay for the AJC paywall? Of course not. You know, I, did, I didn't pay to, to read the AJC article and pay for a subscription to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I don't think anyone who came across the article on Twitter did. So, you know, I guess Josh Pate did, and that's why that's where he got his context from. But, yeah, I mean, once uh, so when the only thing to go off of there with the AJC piece is the headline, whereas, you know, the, the Dogs Wired thing provided a lot more context and detailed accounts from the police report, text messages between the two parties, it's like, all right, there's there's a lot more to this story. Like I said, I, I think the driving thing is, is an entirely separate, uh, you know, non-moving. I'm not going to debate non-moving violations versus moving violations because I don't doubt that, you know, there have been some serious infractions, but whatever the case may be, I haven't looked into it that specifically. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely was, was framed a bit poorly, I would say, by the Well, well let me ask you this. I, I don't know. I guess the Tennessean is still a newspaper there in Nashville. Do you think they're doing investigative reporting on the Vanderbilt Commodore? No. No, I mean, that's a, it's a wonderful point. I uh, mean, you I, know, and that's why I asked them about the spotlight on Georgia. Like, of, of course they're not. Uh, you know, if, if Vanderbilt goes 12-0 and 0 this year and wins the SEC, maybe they are. Uh, you know, does that mean that every, every player on the Vanderbilt football team is, is squeaky clean and has never done anything wrong? Of course it doesn't. But, you know, it's not going to – what's going to get more clicks? Georgia football player does this thing or Vanderbilt football player does this? It's just, you know, it's the reality it's, it's, of sports media. It's where media. we are. And, and plus, like I say, you're looking at a back-to-back national champion who's trying to make history and going for a three-peat as well. Now, does that overtake or overturn the fact that wrong is wrong and, and – 
someone lost their life? Absolutely not. I, I think that. Yeah, again, that certainly is a factor as well. A, a, absolutely. That's a huge factor Which, in course, this whole. You know, it was a terrible tragedy. A, a, absolutely. And I, I think that it will continue to be looked at. But the magnifying glass, I, I will say this. The room for error is very slim for the Georgia Bulldogs for sure. And we'll continue to talk about that along with the other headlines that we've talked about today. ESPN has really lowered the boom, folks, on a lot of high-quality journalists. And one of those most recent that we found out within the last hour was David Pollack. And we already knew Todd McShay, who is a visitor here to the Reese's Senior Bowl. You love to see all his draft day coverage and his coverage of the Reese's Senior Bowl, but won't be able to see that along with Jeff Van Gundy and Jalen Rose not being a part of NBA coverage as well. We'll talk about that uh, along with the match results. Of course, the Birmingham Stallions. If you want to watch some football this weekend, the Birmingham Stallions second straight USFL title game performance versus the Pittsburgh Maulers will take place on NBC. So you'll have an opportunity to watch that. And we always want to hear what is the best 4th of July firework you have ever had a chance to shoot off or light up. Is it the bottle rocket? Smoke bombs? Roman candles? Let us know in the app or give us a call 251-694-1055. Hi, my name is Sherman Williams, former running back for the University of Alabama and the Dallas Cowboys. And I wake up each morning listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Brauner. Want to wish you guys a safe and happy weekend. We know it's been a, a very scorching hot week and the temperatures will continue to be turned up this weekend. And, of course, we asked in the app, what's the best 4th of July firework? As many people will go ahead and have a holiday on Monday as Tuesday is the 4th of July. But the best 4th of July firework, what was it? And in, in when you grew up, did you have those 4th of July firework wars? Or was it the fact that you just had an opportunity to go and see the local fireworks on the hill or on the river or just see them on television? But there's something about Independence Day and the entire ambience that goes with it that you love to invest in those fireworks for sure. Want to make sure everybody stays safe in using them. But everything given from Roman candles to sparklers to to bottle rockets, all those and more given in the app as far as the best Fourth of July firework and. Don't forget, tomorrow coming up on the SEC Network, you have Alabama's takeover. They're starting their SEC Network takeover for all the institutions. That will be starting with the Alabama Crimson Tide on Saturday. And, of course, Auburn will be taking over the SEC Network on Monday. So you'll have an opportunity to, to see and relive some of the, the better games and 
across all sports in 22-23 season there. And, of course, also with ESPN letting go David Pollock, Matt Hasselbeck, Steve Young, Jalen Rose. You also have Keyshawn Johnson, Todd McShay, Max Kellerman, Jeff Van Gundy. I think that as far as, you know, the talent that, you, you, you hate to see change on the television in regards to some of those that have Susie Colbert has been with ESPN for over 25 years. And that's a name you, you just know you're going to get high quality of information. But, you know, as far as the changes that ESPN made, they said they made it to save money. But I really wanted Nick Saban to be able to look at David Pollack on that ESPN studio if Alabama made it to the national championship game and won to say, David, what, what did you say, my friend? What, <laughs> let's, let's run that video back. Cause don't uh, think for one minute that he wouldn't do it. I don't know if he'd do that or not. Yeah, he would do it. He would do it. And, and I would say this, somebody on the stage would set it up for Nick to where he wouldn't may have to address David Pollack directly, but it definitely would have been brought up on the set for sure. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a missed opportunity for sure. Well, I, you know, what wasn't a missed opportunity last night was the match. And when watching the match, I know Charles Barkley, I told you that when the match first started, he was one of the original participants. But Charles Barkley had an opportunity. I know it's hard for him to keep a secret, but he definitely had a great secret that really all of America would probably concur with in regards to his TNT tip-off post-game and halftime co-host and Ernie Johnson. Ernie Johnson was surprised by the one and only Charles Barkley last night, and here's the announcement that Charles Barkley was able to pass on to Ernie. Hey, guys. Uh, can I say something, Ernie? Uh, <laughs> I think you already are. Okay. Uh <laughs> This is big. This is big. I want to be the first. I'm the only person up here knows this. I want to be the first person. It's an honor and a privilege to congratulate Ernie Johnson going into the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Chuckster, what are you talking about? Uh, I, they, they told me, and I said, they said, would you do this? I said, it'd be an honor. It's an honor and a privilege to tell you. Ernie Johnson, congratulations, brother. Yeah. Man, well that said. is that is awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. I and you know what? I'm taking the rest of the day off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys. And whoever whoever is responsible for that, whoever um, votes on that, I am humbled beyond words. So thank you so much. Means the world to me. I've been at this been at this for uh, been at this for 34 years. Uh, at the same place, been over 40 years in broadcasting, and uh, I'm stunned. So thank you so much. I appreciate that very much. Um, and thank you, guys. Hey, underdog, what a cool day, huh? Thanks, man. Ernie Johnson, so, so very well deserving of a sports broadcasting Hall of Fame induction and just one of the most humble people that you'll ever have an opportunity to meet personally to talk with and he, he gets it and his transformation from his own life experiences to where 
You know, he said he made some bad decisions as a journalist when he first started out. He he was punking some of the people he was working with and for and didn't treat them with the utmost respect and found himself found himself humbled and, and not liking what he saw. But for Charles Barkley to break that news to him, I thought it was a pretty good look on the match last night. Yeah, that's a nice clip, man. Everyone loves Ernie Johnson. I don't think I've ever heard anyone you know, people have their broadcasters they like and dislike. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say negative things about Ernie Johnson, man. He really is one of the best to ever do it. And, uh, you know, the, I mean, inside the NBA is is probably the best production, you know, any kind of pregame or postgame situation across any sport. I mean, they do a phenomenal job and have done a phenomenal job for such a long time, Chuck and Shaq and Kenny the Jet. I mean, it, it, it really is just uh, – top-of-the-line television when it comes and we you know we've been talking a lot today about the fact you know espn a lot of these layoffs they're they're getting away from legitimate sports analysis and moving toward more towards you know just focusing on entertainment and inside the nba i think does a phenomenal job of blending both together I, it really is uh second to none i think in in the area of uh, sports again, like I, I don't think it's just unique to the NBA. I think across all sports, there's not a better pre or post game show that you'll find. So, really nice moment between uh, Chuck and Ernie. I absolutely love listening and watching you when you have Shaq and Kenny and Charles and Ernie. You're just going to get entertained. Yeah. And, and whether it's in pregame, whether it's at halftime, whether it's in postgame. It's kind of like you you want to see what they're gonna do next. What yeah. what what prank are they gonna <laughs> pull on one another? What what kind of beef are they gonna have <laughs> with one another? Chuck and uh, Shaq. And, and let me ask you this: as far as the match was concerned, it, Charles and Shaq had a little putting contest. They took four putts, and on the green. Who, who do you think won out of Shaq and Charles from a putting contest? I actually did not see this, so this actually is a blind answer. Uh, so I truly am guessing here. Uh, the fact that you're asking me makes me think it was a surprise. And Chuck's a golfer. He's not a very good one, but he plays. Uh, so I'm going to guess Shaq won. Shaq did win oh. the putting contest. See, I, fi I reverse engineered you, figured that one out. And so what happened was... You know, Shaq, <laughs> seven-footer with the putter in his hand, went ahead and— Yeah, did he have a tall putter? Man, no, he didn't. I mean, he was reaching he was down. He was, over. He, was, he was hunched over and <laughs> knocked him down, though. And, and then Charles Charles had an—Shaq made four in a row. And Dang. one one of one of Shaq's favorite golfers is Chi-Chi, and, and he went a little Chi-Chi on him <laughs> with his golf club after he finished hitting that fourth putt. And what he did, he challenged Charles, and Charles came out and said, look, he missed the first one, he missed the second one, and made the next couple and said, look, I didn't have my putter. And then someone said, well, do you think you think Shaq walks around with his putter all the time? So it, it definitely wasn't that the case. But Travis Kelsey. Yeah, Mahomes and Kelsey got some game, huh? Man, they defeated Clay and Steph last night, which was in the match, you know, uh, beat the Splash Brothers in 10 holes, and the Chiefs quarterback, you know, wins another one. And, of course, the Bills signal caller Josh Allen and 
Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers Josh were all Allen. involved. Josh Allen's really good. Oh, the, the, the competitiveness in golf there was definitely yeah. fun to see. But uh, anytime you go four up in the first six holes, you probably have a chance to go ahead and, and do what you need to do to go ahead and win that. But I think that Mahomes went ahead and had an opportunity to go ahead and, and, and tuck him away. And it, it was just fun to watch the competitiveness. But why I love Travis Kelsey mm. is he thinks and has said this, winning is more important to him than making the amount of money that he's worth. How much money do you think Travis Kelsey makes from the tight end position? Uh, yeah, certainly, certainly not as much as he should. Uh, like less than fifteen million dollars a year, probably. He does. So, who, you know who the highest paid tight end in the NFL is? Tight end, highest paid tight end. Would kind of shocked me a little bit. I, I did not. I wasn't aware of this. Darren Waller. Yeah, yeah. He got he got that big deal from Vegas and seventeen mil. Yeah. You know who the second highest paid tight end in the NFL is? George Kittle. It is Kittle. Now, Kelsey is only making an 11.25. But yeah. if he really pushed the envelope for the Kansas City Chiefs, that just goes to show why the Chiefs have won two out of the last four Super Bowls. Sure. Because he's willing to sacrifice and cut that action of him to go ahead and, and, and win it. Because would you rather have rings or money? Now, ultimately, you know, money is, is, is only going to take you so far. But you can't buy a Super Bowl ring. You have to earn it in some shape, form, or fashion, whether it's as a practice player, whether it's as some type of quality control or videographer. You have to be affiliated and associated with it. So Travis Kelsey said, look, I would rather go ahead and take the, the pay cut and not demand the money, kind of like Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill said, look, y'all may be winning <laughs> I, Super Bowl. I'm out of here. But I'm gone. Yeah. I, I, I've got my one piece of jewelry. That's all I need. I don't I don't need any other additions to that. But Travis Kelsey is going to wind up being one of the best tight ends of all time, and it's not going to be monetarily. So looking forward to that. And J.J. Watt as well as a football analyst, Joining CBS, he'll be inducted into Texans Ring of Honor October 1st versus the Steelers when his brother comes to town. So it'll be a family affair. But a lot of changes going on, not only at ESPN, college football, but just wanted to give you that little 411 on Travis Kelsey as well. We'll put the finishing touches here on the final drive. We know that Tuesday, we know what day it is Tuesday. But on the other side of the break, we have to find out what day it is. Hi, I'm former Major League Baseball player Bernie Carbo. I listen to WNSP 105.5. Love every minute of it. 